Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I um, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to chopping it up. See how it goes. But um, yeah. After this, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the hay. <laughs> <laughs> How's Josie? Is it cold? Um, 18 today. Um, so no, it's it's winter. I mean, I can't complain. One thing you've got about Johannesburg in winter is that it's very different to the Cape winter because the sun is always shining during our winter. You know. You, if people take photographs of what our winter looks like, you would be fooled to think it's, a, it's always beautifully hot. But no, yeah, yeah. out, but this, you, kind of, you kind of got to turn up the dial a bit, you know? Yeah, we're in for a, a, a crazy weekend um, here in I, I saw it's gonna, uh, I saw this, this cold front coming in from, from the west, yeah. and it's going to hit us shortly afterwards, but it looks enormous. But Bernie, listen, uh, once again, thank you so much for uh, giving us the time this evening. Welcome to Breaking Bread uh, this evening. Let me just take a moment also just to welcome some of the folks that have jumped onto this stream. It is fantastic to have you. Thanks so much for making time to chat to us. I'm super pumped this evening to be chatting to Bernie Wickholm. Uh, Bernie is a sneaker and pop culture commentator. He's the founder of the blog soul knowledge uh, bernie has over 17 years work experience working with some of the major brands adidas nike uh, sony playstation and currently with microsoft xbox right yes i the 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 distributor of, of microsoft claim interactive that's what i'm with. right yeah fantastic well bernie it's uh, is wonderful to have you once again thank you so much for uh joining me to break some bread Thank you, Dion. Thank you. I appreciate that. Wonderful. Um, now, Bernie, you're obviously uh, an, who I would consider an OG sneakerhead, you know. Yeah. Um, and in South Africa, we have an amazing sneaker culture. But I wanted to talk about sneakers from a slightly different perspective this evening, and I'd love to get some of your input. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we see sneakers as a cultural driver. Um, it's always been a, such an important part that drives culture. But one of the things that I love about the way you talk about sneakers is that there's always a story element and there's an authenticity that's very apparent when you talk about sneakers. And I wanted to get some of, I wanted to unpack some of that insight this evening. Where do these stories come from? Because what's happening, we're living in an era where consumerism is really driving culture. You know, yeah. if you have deep pockets, um, if you are on the right continent, then you have access to certain things that other people might not have access to. But if you look at the beginning and what's, sneaker culture is really about which is street culture it has a very different ethos and a very different value system and so i wanted to pick your brain this evening and talking about sneakers but looking at it from an authentic storytelling perspective what do you think do you think i'm do you, do you agree with that sentiment what's your point of view on that 
Look, I do agree with the sentiment, but I think it's it's helpful to to understand where how the, the sneaker story starts because the motive, the reason I do what I do is because it all started when I once, you know, I was a I was a guy selling sneakers in a store, and I'm I'm, I'm such uh, thinking back, I'm a very reluctant salesperson. I I I wanted to sell sneakers, but I didn't want to be a salesman. Until somebody actually sat me down and said, you know what, Bunny, you've got to spend less time selling the product and more time just telling the stories behind it. Right. And I understand that that was almost like a bit of a life hack for me because I mean, today the, the role I serve is sales. And I've, I've understood that it's all about embellishing more details on why the product exists. And commonly in my stories, I share... I share design insights. I share the reasons why designers had made certain decisions which had motivated certain aesthetics in the product. And the more the consumer or the people I was selling to understood that, it kind of contextualized the product. Mm. And what I found was, I love telling sneaker stories so frequently that I sat down once and I, I mean, I speak to randoms and I tell them about the shoes that they are wearing. And I tell them, did you know that this was what the designer thought of? This is why the color is unique. And when people understand that I've just given like a little bit more intrinsic value to the product, it kind of changes the relationship with that product. Do you know what I mean? And um, Absolutely. I've, I've not stopped. I mean, I've, I left Nike in 2009, okay? So it was like 11 years ago. Um, but, but the love for telling the stories are still with me. There's so much reason to still buy into um, and, and today, for example, um, in the story that I was telling on 702, I was talking about um, athletes who have defied um, the status quo when they've protested. And what I spoke about were certain moments in history. And those moments are tied back to sneakers. I mean, the story I told was about the, the Puma suede in the 1968 Mexico Olympics. So over and above everything else that's going on with this the stories of inspiration, you've also got moments in history that amplify the stories. Do you know what I mean? And there's yeah. so much to buy into because, um, I mean, I've just taken, I'm, I'm actually sitting in my socks right now, but I took off my Puma suede. But, but if I wear these, I'm walking in a moment in time. But the common consumer, when you're just seeing this on the shelf, it's just a pair of Puma suede. Yeah. But, once it's contextualized, once it lands, you get the sense of like this, I'm owning a piece of the shoe's history and the narrative that I'm walking in. Do you know what I mean? You, you, you put yeah. it to yourself. And that yeah. is why, that's why I enjoy the idea of telling sneaker stories. I mean, it's really yeah. an simple, yeah. And, and I think the world in general, popular culture has, has caught on to this. There is a market segment of capitalism that's really chasing like the premium level products. Um, and that has its own story narrative. Um, but for myself, as you've rightfully mentioned, I am a sneaker OG and I, I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm anti-hype. I respect what's happening with the hype, but I believe there's a lot of other stories that still need to be told before we chase the hype dragon. Absolutely love that, man. Um, I, I'm not sure if you know, but I'm in, in the clothing industry. Um, and I'm really passionate about menswear, but more specifically, I'm really passionate about history, you know? Um, and I think what you've touched on really speaks to uh, menswear uh, as, a, as a category, 
because a lot of this, a lot of products that we wear, for example, the navy jackets, uh, a blazer, uh, you know, it has, it has an origin story. Um, the military has back to it, right? Exactly. You know, the same with the chinos with the British in India. Uh, you know, the same with uh, uh, a desert boot that we called a, a felskun in South Africa. All of those items have really interesting stories. And, you know, for, for you and I, you know, we could geek out about, you know, the, the, the stories. Uh, do you find it, well, what's the response that you get from the general person when you sort of share a little bit of the origin story behind a sneaker? Is it? I, I, I want to say that the, the most common response is like, wow, I, I didn't know that. These were, you, you just, all, everybody is quite surprised that when a sneaker story is told that there are just so many layers that begin to unfold. And all it is, is you start just drawing people's attention to a little bit more detailing on the shoes. Yeah. And once they understand, and, and keep in mind, I'm at a place right now where I don't, I don't sell any product. I don't sell sneakers, yeah. right? sharing the story so when people listen to me there's a little bit more trust because they know i am not particularly selling i am talking to you about product that you already own and in that the audience's mind is very different they're a little bit more perceptive to what's being shared and look 10 out of 10 times people enjoy it i mean people always enjoy finding a little bit more about the product that they're wearing and um as a result of that, look, I have created, a, a, a must confess, a very niche consumer following, okay? That's all about the stories. And that's fantastic because yeah. uh, I, I spit so many of them out that eventually somebody's like, I remember that, or I understand that, or I'm beginning to see how that. I mean, for, like you, 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 I know you're, a, you're an apparel geek. The moment you start sharing with people, you know what, there's a difference between jeans and denims, you know? And when you start breaking yeah. those things, they, they geek, they're like, wow. And, and here's the most important thing, Dion. If you land the message right, you create another evangelist. So I refer to myself as the sneaky evangelist. And I, I'm like a guy who just constantly just gets the message out, right? But the moment the message lands correctly, I've heard other people tell the stories or them calling me and say, do you know what? I just shared the story with somebody. <laughs> And that's where it gets real. Yeah, that's the yeah, yeah, I love it, man. I love it. It's so incredible. And what I love as well, that we are living in a time where the young guys coming through have so much access to information, you know? And so I, I love what you said as well. You know, there's this hype culture, and we'll talk a little bit about, more about that later on. But also, I think of my son, who's starting to get into sneakers now. You know, he's 10. Yeah. And... He has access to the internet and he can search and he can look, you know, uh, uh, find out more about the story behind the shoe and what it, or the inspiration, uh, you know, and, and uh, it's so much more accessible these days yeah. in terms of this information that's available out there, you know, um, well, compared to back in the day, you'd have yes. to really dig and, you know, try and get information about a particular shoe and the, uh, you know, whether it's the air unit on, uh, you know, an Air Max or a particular colorway, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. 
So I, I must say, I, I find myself in, a, in an interesting, privileged position because both of the jobs that I had when I worked for both Addy and Nike is, uh, you know, you sit under the teachings of uh, the product people, the product people who get the information from their respective world headquarters and they share it with the sales teams. And the sales guys have got to land that message with all of the buyers. And commonly, these, these, it's only documented on what you've heard them share. It's not, a, yeah. not anywhere else. So because I've come through that time and I now live in the digital age, but a lot of my education came prior to that, right? Mm. So I often find that there are certain insights that I can deliver over and above the common perspective, right? Um, and that adds another level of, of, of value when, when, I'm, when I'm telling a story because I can say, do you know, let me, let me, I heard what you've read on the internet, but allow me to contextualize why that's taking place. Right. And you know what the saddest part is, Dion? I mean, many of the people that once served in those roles have moved on. There's a lot of that um, corporate memory that, that's actually been lost in the fiber. And I'll, I'll, share, I'll share something interesting with you. During the, the, during the early 2000s, there was, a, there was a line of product that Nike referred to as the Alpha Project, okay? These products carried a mark of five dots, like one, two, three, four, five, five dots on the product. And that was supposed to give people an insight as to the fact that it was pinnacle level product. You know, many, many amazing shoes during that period. And in my personal opinion, the brightest history of Nike's innovation was the Alpha Project. And as times have gone by, people have started to ask the questions which we were taught back in the day. And the question was, what does the five dots stand for? Like the symbolism that lands on the product, but what does it mean? And I had... I, had, I knew what the answer was because I had remembered it, but I actually Googled it before I found it. I mean, I Googled, what is the fact? I got that information nowhere, right? And I thought, how wow. fascinating. It, wasn't landed on, it doesn't land on the internet. I've subsequently done a story on it, but I'll share with you. The five dots is sort of a, um, a conversation between Nike's designers and an athlete. And an athlete says, I want the best out of my product. And they, the athlete gives ideas. And they create the product based on these ideas, but it constantly goes through this testing and retesting phase. So here's the phase in five steps. Inquire, research, create, test, and compete. Then it starts again. Inquire, research, create, test, compete. And as that loop continues, it redefines the product, makes it better, sweeter. And that's what it stands for. I mean, and that information was lost in the pre-digital age. Wow, wow. Oh, that's absolutely incredible. I mean, you know, that needs to be captured and, and, and cherished and celebrated. I love I, that. I, I really do. I, re I really do. That's pretty amazing. Um, I want to touch on this bit of controversy, I guess, and I'd love your insights on this. Uh, you mentioned hype culture. You know, we've yes. seen the proliferation of uh, high fashion houses get involved in streetwear you know we've seen uh you know louis vuitton uh appoint virgil uh recently we saw Givenchy appoint a new creative director michael williams um out of uh, cult streetwear brand 1017 alix 9sm or something like that um just last week we saw dior release the uh the jordan one I think the retail was 
if I'm not mistaken, $2,000. And we're seeing resale of over $14,000. Like yeah, over 200 and I don't know, 20 grand for um, a pair of sneakers. So how do, yeah. we, how do we navigate on this one hand, searching for this authenticity in streetwear, in sneakers, in that culture, safeguarding it, but on this other hand, understanding where the world is at, understanding high okay. culture, understanding premium, etc. You know, it's a, it's a great question because the, the, it, we are living in a hype generation and, and the, a lot of what is truly plugged into what the brands refer to as energy, the, the big messages on product is driven by hype. Now you've got to understand that the brands have understood uh, because, I mean, they get access to mass data. They can tell you that the, the balance between supply and demand. And frequently enough, they create so little supply that this demand creates a frenzy, okay? And that frenzy is also driven by this hype. Um, we cannot ignore that that is a fact, okay? It, this energy right at the top that the brands create starts to fizzle down and everybody else further down the channel is inspired and still buys into it, right? right. So. Here's a, here's a helpful thing for you to understand. If you are going to buy into hype, the reality is that you're going to have to be able to have deep pockets to afford it. You may have to have some bots on your side who stands in the queue and makes the buy for you. Um, or you're just going to have to buy off the resale market for the higher prices that you've just spoken about right now. So the, there is no reason why brands would let go of the hype animal, the hype beast. It's commercially, it is a very affordable way of really adding equity to your brand. I think the right response to the common man, and this is where I cl classify myself as the common man when it comes to sneakers, because I don't particularly buy into the hype. If there's a hype product that I could get, fantastic, I'll buy it. But it's important that you master the fundamentals, understand why Air Force Triple White that you can buy right now is important, you know? Um, right. <laughs> I understand, and I'll pick the shoe up again, Puma Suede's. I mean, this is easily accessible off the shelf right now, but there's so much of a story behind it. Um, I'm trying to reposition an idea that is beyond hype, that is about innovation. And you, you can't, in order to chase the hype train, you, you are going to be in the 0.1% of this world in terms of your finances, or you will just be broke. But you cannot let that define you. And very frequently, I, when I meet other sneakerheads, I, I do look at their profiles on Instagram. I look, I mean, I, it's, it's, you, cannot, you cannot understand what a sneakerhead is based on only one sneaker. One sneaker does not define. You've kind of got to have a look at a data cluster. You've got to see this, this, that, 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 what it is. And then you start, if you understood the hype message well enough, you will start to understand, oh, this guy's purely a hype beast because it's, purely off-whites, it's purely Yeezys, it's purely AJ1 Strictly, you know? Um, but I am more interested in the stories that are beyond that. I am more interested in understanding the, you know, the, uh, the, the reasons why pre-hype the brands had their authenticity. You understand? So when, when I sold sneakers in the late 90s, that was during a time where you knew about the hype product when it was on the shelf. Right. Right.
cause you to decline real quick. <laughs> so, no um, is, and, and for me, I believe those are richer stories. Those are deeper stories. And um, I, uh, let me tell you, in the room right now, I have one pair, okay, I've got two pairs of shoes, the one I wore today. But right. just offhand, I want to just, if you, would, if you would allow me. This Please. shoe. Um, this shoe is the Nike Rift. Right. Okay. Are you are you familiar with this one? Uh, okay. So it's so, so. So, so here's the beauty, uh, Dion. You've got to understand that this shoe does not fall within the realm of hype. Okay. It is an iconic piece of footwear developed in the '90s, um, and to, to it's it's called the Rift. It was actually inspired by Kenyan runners who ran barefoot. Um, who, when they participated in American marathons, they still wanted to compete barefoot, but they weren't allowed to. So Nike had made footwear, which would mimic the barefoot as barefoot. Okay? Right. And um, there are certain things. So it's got massive cutouts. So it, it reduces the weight. You will understand that there's a split toe to mimic um, just that barefoot running. Um, but here's a couple of interesting things. Because they were Kenyan runners, the color is the Kenyan flag. Okay? Right. Underneath the, uh, represents the topography of the country. The rift in the toe represents the rift valley. You see, right, in right. So you, you start, once you understand that, you start to unpack. And this is anti-hype. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I found is that eventually there will come a day, and mark my words, where a rift will be part of the hype train again. It, it's going to be part of the hype train. But... I am more interested in telling those other stories. And it's cool because I know where the hype train is at right now. And if you want to, I'm going to really preempt your next question. Where is most of the hype at right now or going to be? It's with the dunk. Okay. The Nike dunk. That's right. because of that's where it goes. And that's where it's going to stay for a while. But um, it's, this culture is not defined by hype. Do you understand what I mean? It yeah, is not. I love it, man. I see my voice all wrinkle. Thank you for that, my brother. Um, it's, it's, this is all, it's just about telling the stories that are looking the other way. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I would prefer positioning soul knowledge. Yeah. Man, uh, that is absolutely fantastic. You know, there's a term that we use in menswear as well. We say, learn the rules and then you break them. You know, learn some of the fundamentals and then you go ahead and push the boundaries and break them, you know, and then, and that's how you sort of develop your own style, etc. you know, but initially when you, when you start getting into the game, you want to, uh, you know, you, you pick a look and you, you copy that look, you know, but yeah. five years down the line, that has to move, you know, that has to, you say, okay, maybe I like uh, a gray pants, you know, um, and, and maybe, uh, I'll take elements of that great pants and transform that into my look, you know, but yeah. that's what I, I, I really love what you're saying is because understand the history of a product. And then there's a really important element where you make it your own. It becomes part of your story, you know, and I thought that as, as I mentioned to you, Bernie, myself, I'm actually not a sneakerhead. I really love uh, sneakers. But I've, I, I'm not a sneakerhead. But there's an interesting story that I wanted to share with you because I think you would appreciate it, right? Uh, so I don't know if you can see that. I can. But yes. these, are the, these are the 
the Nike kill shots. Yes. Okay. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, the Nike kill shot is exclusive to uh, J.Crew in the U.S. Uh, it's a very specific profile, uh, and it's the only type of profile that I would wear. It has its roots in, uh, roots in tennis. It's a very yes. retro-looking shoe. Um, and so that's an interesting story that I wanted to share with you with, about that particular shoe. So Please I've been lucky enough to, to, to travel quite extensively. Um, and every time, so this shoe, I'll, I'll preempt it in saying that this shoe is seven years in the making. And just to give you some context into that. So every time that I would travel to New York, uh, the first thing that I do, I'd leave my bags at the hotel and I would try and find the closest J. Crew to find that particular shoe. And every single time that I would go in there, they would be sold out. It was one of those shoes that had a cult following and yeah. every time it would land, it would sell out, okay? okay? It was available online. You could maybe get it through eBay and that sort of thing. It's actually not an expensive shoe. It's actually, a, a, I think it's probably about $110 around there. So not an expensive shoe. But it's, a, so for probably seven years, every time that I've, that I've gone to New York, I'd go and try and find the shoe and I could never find it, okay? And so last year, well, I think it was the start of this year, 2020, or at the end of 2019, uh, I was surprised by the shoe. Someone bought the shoe for me. Um, and, That's uh, the best, so, best shoe, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so, so uh, like, seven years. It took me seven years to get this shoe. <laughs> Why fascination with, with the kill shot specifically? Um, well, I wear a lot of chinos. And I wear uh, a lot of uh, denims. I just love the profile of that shoe. Um, you know, um, it's, uh, yeah, as I said, I, I don't know. I just, I just love the profile. The colorway is exactly, and, and I have a thing for gum soles as well. So if, if a shoe has gum soles, I'm, I'm there. I, that's, that's, that's fascinating because me personally, I, if, if, if the, my friends know me well enough, it's like the gum sole is the deal breaker. The moment it's got a gum sole, I'm out. Yeah. Okay? I, I've made one single exception. Uh, just um, this year, I got the Air Jordan 3s, the Animal Instinct with all that. The, what I used to land tonight's message on. That is the only shoe that I have with a gum outsole. Um, but I have found that there are people who are just so in love with, with gum outsoles or certain styles. And like you... Once, and you've got to respect the fact that there are certain looks that when people see them, like the kill shot in your case, that nothing will stop you from trying to chase just another color, just another reason to get it. If there's additional embellishments on it, you've got to chase it. And that's the beauty of just what I like about that. It's not falling into that hype trap, you know? It is saying, hey, let me tell you what it is about a shoe that I like, that I enjoy, that I that I just want to plug myself into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Style, you know, because you have found your own style in that space, you know? Um, right. And whether it be, uh, many of the brands have certain uh, icons. I mean, the Addy Superstar, for example, the Stan Smith, um, the Nike Cortez, Chuck Taylor, All Stars. These, 
there are, there are certain things that everyone would, uh, by default, almost gravitate to. Um, but it's always interesting to know what, are the, what is the footwear beyond that churn, right, that people are gravitating towards. And that's an interesting out there. I like that. This would probably be a, a really annoying question for you, but do you, do you have a favorite? Um, I do, but, but the answer keeps changing. <laughs> Answer absolutely keeps changing. I am um, right now, and it's only because I'm looking at them. The answer is the airlift. Okay, I've probably got about eight airlifts in my in, currently in my collection. I've had more before, but eight pairs. I have got one pair of airlifts, which is a, a triple black, just a leather lift. That it's the first pair of shoes I ever had when since I started working for the brands. Like so, it's my oldest pair. I have repaired that shoe countless amount of times. As a matter of fact, wow. right now, those shoes are in Cape Town in Alsis River at a guy who does my fixing, he, my sneaker fixing guy based in Alsis River. It's with him right now because I love them so much that I cannot let them go. I've only got one pair of them. I haven't bought a second. So, and the Rift is, it's also, it's one of those anti-hype shoes that when people see you with it, the question is, what are you wearing, dude? Like, what is that? And it is just so, it is just such a cool shoe. So the Air Rift with that split toe. Um, I'm going to tell you, I just saw something on Instagram the other day about a pair of sneakers that, that Nike is actually doing, but it's a collab, it's a combination of several technologies. It has not yet launched. Um, so it's got the double stack air zoom. It's got the transition plate for the shocks, but there's no shocks in there. It's got a very aggressive waffle outsole. So dealing with many iconic parts of Nike's designs, but the upper is a split toe like the Rift. Okay. <laughs> so I suspect that this Rift idea will, will keep it coming. Do you know what I mean? Right. Uh, I'm just laughing at some of the comments. I'm just looking back over here. Uh, I just want <laughs> I just want to take it back. I mean, Eric, Eric has just made by saying, uh, you know, you just, if they gave Virgil a pair of, of, uh, of rifts, it would be the thing. And that's, that's kind of the story of this narrative, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That there are certain voices that can push hype. Um, but what I, Dion, want to take advantage of is just finding the stories that are currently anti-hype. My regret right now is that I haven't told enough dunk stories because dunk is the heat. And I've got an amazing dunk collection. I, I, uh, <laughs> think of this. this. You are either a dunk guy or an Air yeah. Force guy. Are you familiar right. with both of these silhouettes? Air Force One yeah. or dunk? Now, I'm relatively a skinny guy. So when I wear a pair of Air Force Ones, they look chunky on me. They look clunky on me. You know, I look, I look yeah. a little stupid. But the dunk is like absolutely made for me, you know? And I've just stacked them sky high. I love them. And my regret is that I haven't told more dunk stories prior to the current uh, upward trajectory of the love for, for, um, for dunks. Wow. wow. Uh, tell me, where are you at with uh, Brand Jordan? Are you a fan? Are you into that silhouette? So, so I'll, let me share. Okay. Um, I, I do love Brand Jordan. Um, I, are you familiar with the idea of friends and family? The yes. friends and family. How oh, that works. Yes. Okay. So for, um, for those who are, of you who are watching and not familiar is Nike will sometimes make a pair of sneakers or Nike, Addy, whichever brand it is, they will make a pair of sneakers. And this sneakers would 
sometimes when they make a, a special version of it, they would create something that is slightly set apart from the normal production version and give it to friends and family. And hence, call it friends and family. So, um, and obviously the friends and family are never for sale through traditional retail. You, are, you receive it from the brand. Wow. And um, in my collection, a pair of uh, Air Jordan 1, friends and family, but not one that I bought, one that I'd actually received from brand Jordan. It's wow. one of my prizes. Wow. I mean, it's really So I, I cannot, I will not deny them, <laughs> okay? And um, the, the brand Jordan story is amazing. I, I mean, I, I must tell you, I've even had the privilege of meeting Michael Jordan uh, many years ago myself, wow. Which, wow. which was quite, so I've, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've got a lot of love and a lot of time for the, the, the Jordan brand. And, and Billy, do you wear those, those iconic, do you, have you worn that, uh, uh, that Jordan? Have you worn it uh, or is it? Uh, so, so, you... so, so rule number one is wear all of your sneakers. That's what I'm about. I want, you've got to wear uh, all of my sneakers. And quickly answering, uh, Eric, I don't have a pair of pigeon dunks, but I've got a plan that I'm working on that anyways. I've got a beautiful plan for pigeon dunks. So I wear all of my sneakers. As a matter of fact, the Air Jordan 1 friends and family that, that I was referring to, I had them in my position for a year and I wore them the first time last weekend, simply because I wanted to find a good moment to wear them to. Yeah, you need a moment. You, have, you, have, you need a moment. So I knew a youngster, you know, youngster CPT from the Cape, you know? Of course. And it was for that meeting that I decided, do you know what? I'm going to pull out a pay that's better than anything that he's got. Because I know, you know, I can't <laughs> say that. that looks like, so, yeah, so I've, I've, I wear all of my sneakers. I've got to wear them all. Oh, man, that's amazing. That's, that's incredible. So, some fantastic comments and uh, uh, statements being made on this. And that's one of the reasons why I love this platform uh, so much and these conversations so much, because it's live. And guys get to okay. So, so coming through from Van on the pigeon dunk. I mean, what that what that's about. So, um, I mean, the pigeon dunk was created by Jeff Staple, um, New York designer. Yeah. And, and what he wanted to do is he wanted to he wanted to tell the story of New York through a pair of sneakers. You know, uh, obviously at the time, like, I mean, dunk is just so iconic because it borders between basketball because that's where its heritage is at, but also, yeah. and it, it lives in that space. And I'll, mm. I'll, I'll, sh I'll show you in a second, but because it's, there's a massive crossover with that culture, um, Jeff thought this would be an appropriate silhouette to land his idea on. And he used the pigeon, which is, which is the, uh, the bird in, the United, in, in, in New York. Uh, the pigeon just represents New York perfectly. So, um, Gray with a bit of that pink hue to it. That colorway, is, that colorway was just like on the head for me. He hit the nail on the head. And then at the back end of it, he lands the pigeon. And I don't know if you've seen a couple of weeks ago, Jeff actually took a solid slab of marble, okay? And he had chiseled the marble out and he had created a dunk out of solid marble, beautifully laced, okay? And he even landed a gold leaf pigeon at the back of it. I wonder what a great situation. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a beautiful mantelpiece. Um, and I'll, share, I'll just share a quick insight with you because a lot of people want to know how it is that the dunk 
transcended into the skateboarding realm of things, right? And there was a time where dunks at this, and at the same time, um, Air Jordan ones. I mean, they were they were oversold. They were actually oversold. Nike had produced too much. There was there was more demand supply wow. at, at a point in time, and these products ended on dump bins, sale bins. They went for ultra cheap, okay? And then what happened was the consumer, the skateboarding consumer, who always goes through sneakers like hella crazy and is looking That's for right. a deal, they bought the dunks. And wow. low profile, they bought it, they bought, they stacked it up because it was so cheap. And then all of a sudden they started realizing, but hold on, this is a great skate shoe, a great value. And it started to impregnate that culture of skateboarding styling. Mm. Then, once the sale goodies ran out, they started asking the questions like, yo, uh, can we get something? So Nike then had modified the dunk, the basketball silhouette, into a skating silhouette, added in zoom air, thicker tongue, changed certain of the gussets around it, and made modifications to it. And because of that, Nike SB is born through dunk. I mean, isn't that uh -huh. a cool trans uh, 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 transition story for the brand? That's yeah. incredible. Wow. That's incredible. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, some parting words from you, Bernie. I know we've uh, spoken a lot about, uh, hang on a second. Bernie, tell us about Nike that tied to a Russian story. That sounds like an interesting one, Bernie. Do you want to share that story? Uh, Van, I actually, this is not, it's not ringing a bell in my mind. I must, <laughs> I must tell you, it's not ringing a bell in my mind. Are you sure it's Russian? I, 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 I'm, I'm, I forgive me. It's, it's not. Well. Um, no, you were cool. saying something, Dion. Yeah, I was saying in landing. Um, you know, what advice would you give to someone that's coming through the culture? Because there's this idea of appropriation. Oh, okay, I got. Sorry, I, I, I got. Well. Uh, uh, thank you, Van. So if there are any Russian people that are listening right now, um, I'm going to butcher the word, but it's called the Zveshdoshka. <laughs> That's actually the name. Thank you. And you know what's most embarrassing? I've got two pairs of them and it didn't hit my brain. So here's an interesting thing, the Zveshdoshka. And I actually wanted to do a story on soul knowledge with this one over here. Um, designed by a guy by the name of Mark Newson. He's a he is a component designer. I mean, the guy designs airplanes, freaking furniture, large range of, of stuff. Now, Mark designed these pieces. the The original thinking around it was that he wanted to develop a, a footwear which would be appropriate for um, uh, astronauts. Right, footwear, they would just work on them. So it's, it doesn't have any laces, you just flip it on, but it's got an, it's got an external shell that, that can expand and contract, and it's got a booty on the inside, right? And what's cool about them is that this Vezdoshka, the, the upper, has got these holes in it, so it looks like the craters of the, on the moon, right? Uh -huh. So craters on the upper, but if you turn it upside down, those dots are now convexed, in other words, they create the outsole. So the shoe, if you spin it, it looks the same all the way around, but concaved upper convex outsole, okay? Um, and the beauty is that the name Zveshdoshka, Russian people, please forgive me. It's, um, it means little star, okay? <laughs> and it was 
it was the name for probably the seventh or the ninth dog that they, they had sent to space before human beings ah. that had never. So that was the story of the shoe, the design uh, that uh, Mark Newson's inspiration. And um, yeah, I, I absolutely forgot that I had, I actually had two, but Van, thank you for that reminder. And how did this shoe do? I mean, how did it do? It sounds like something quite avant-garde. How did, did it do well for Nike? Limited, that was limited quantities. Um, and right. there was a pre-hype, there was almost on the cusp of the hype timing, but they knew limited quantities, get it out there. I mean, it's, and I even had the matching bag for it as well. I mean, I'm telling you, I love that. And I, yeah, what a wow. great shoe. What do you, what's the one shoe that do you think that uh, Oaks are sleeping on? The blazer, the original blazer. Yeah. Okay, so um, in the beginning, Nike had made four shoes, and I'm gonna get, I'm gonna butcher this, I'm gonna get it wrong. But when Phil Knight had created the Nike brand, he wanted to hit certain disciplines. So he said um, it would be a basketball shoe, it would be a running shoe, it would be a tennis shoe, and it would be a football boot. Those are the four categories that Phil Knight thought he would tackle. So for the football boot, the first football boot was called the Nike. I mean, can you imagine that very creative name, the Nike? The tennis shoe was called the Bune. The right. running shoe was the Cortez, but the basketball shoe was the Blazer. Appropriately named because uh, Full Night is in Oregon and it's the, uh, it's the Portland Trailblazers. Do you know what I mean? Right. So right. the name, the Blazer is a shoe keeping on. Um, Nike hasn't done it in a while, um, but incidentally, it's part of the SB story too. But let me tell you, the Blazer, I, I can't get enough of that shoe either. There you go. There you go. Well, I think that's a great place to uh, land, Bernie. Let me just say, you've dropped some absolute gems this evening. But I wanted to just reiterate how important it is to hone in on what you were saying. Understand the story. And I'm yeah. sure lots of the guys that are on this stream are probably sneakerheads themselves. And they have a love and a passion for it. Yeah. But, you know understand the story and let that relate to your own story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let that become part of your own story. Like uh, the kill shots have become a part of my story now. But uh, once again, thank you so much for spending some time with, it, with me this evening, Bernie. It was absolutely fantastic chatting to you. I learned so much and uh, it was a really great chat. Thank you, Dion. What a pleasure. Um, and listen, I appreciate your time and for the setup. It's, it's a pleasure, absolutely. I enjoyed the time. Okay. Fantastic. And uh, to the guys that are listening in on the stream, thank you so much for taking time to listen. Um, if you are interested in catching this episode, it'll be live on the podcast. Well, you'll be on the podcast in the next few days, Breaking Bread. Uh, you can also check out my Instagram feed for more conversations with interesting folks. Thank you. Good night. Take care. Ciao.